In the name of Jesus, I will turn your attention tonight to the book of Matthew chapter 6 to read a familiar portion of scripture. I love this church. I love Tree of Life Church. I hope I never get up here and don't tell you that I love this church. I love this church. I'm so thankful to be a part of it. I'm thankful for the leadership that I am under. I honor my leadership. I honor my pastors. I honor my youth team. I honor our students' parents. As a youth pastor, youth ministry is not possible without parents. I don't know if you know that, but 12 or 13-year-olds aren't supposed to be driving. So whenever there's events or anything like that, we need parents to bring them, and we need parents to, to pay for them to go to camps and conferences and Gatlinburg retreats. And I'm thankful for the parents and the teams that support us and uphold us. Amen. Tonight, actually, there is a youth service happening over at the Annex, and I am not there. And so it is a, it's, a, it's a different feeling for me. Brother Ketter Duvall is, is bringing the word, and I appreciate the Lord doing a mighty work over at the Annex tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read Pastor Charlie Tierney's favorite scripture, Matthew 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know the list of things before this scripture that, that the Gentiles were concerned about. And he gets to the end and he said, you know that they seek after these things. And your father, your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. But don't seek after them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. Tonight, just for a few moments, we'd like to talk about the priority of the kingdom the priority of the kingdom. Lord, we love you. We are thankful, God, that after a long day of work or whatever we did today, Jesus, that we can come into a place and can call on your name and can feel your presence. We don't take it for granted, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your spirit. We thank you for your power, for your love, and for your word that will not return void. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you are anything like me, you forget on your iPhone or your non-iPhone, your smartphone, to close out apps after you have used them. And what can happen is that your phone gets bogged down by all of the extra background activity that it is trying to do. Sometimes you'll turn on maps to find a location to get to a destination. And a week later, you go back and maps is still trying to tell you that you need to turn left and you cut off the route. And you forgot to close that app out. There's a lot of things happening in the, in the background. And sometimes you'll realize that your phone battery is dying quicker than it normally does. And what you don't realize is there's a lot of background activity happening that you forgot to close out. Even just a few minutes ago, as I began to close out uh, my apps before I came to church and and clear out so that I have nothing but the word on my phone tonight. There were apps that were open that I forgot I had opened about. The Weather Channel last Wednesday night when we had to go ahead and cancel service because of a storm. There were apps open that I completely forgot about. They were just happening in the background, eating up my memory, eating up my data, eating up my battery. On your, on your computer, on your, your PC, your laptop, or your MacBook, there, there will be things that can happen. You'll have multiple windows open that you can forget about or programs open that will slow down the rest of the machine. Even if you're only working on one thing, there will be background things happening that slow it down. And just like our machines, we can do the same thing. We can lose focus. We can become bogged down with things that are happening in the background. 
We can forget to close out apps, even maybe now, hopefully not. You are focused in on the word of the Lord that is being delivered and not thinking about what happened today at work or what you have to get done tomorrow. But we're human beings and things like that do happen and they do take place. Sometimes people say, well, it's okay. I can multitask. I can do multiple things at once. I can, I can sit in Wednesday night midweek service and I can receive the word and I can also think about the groceries we need to pick up on the way home. And is there gas in the car or did Caitlin fill it up? I'm not sure. I can do all of these things at the same time. And in actuality, what researchers have found is that you can't actually multitask. It's more commonly or more better understood as rapid tasking. So rather than thinking we can do five or 10 different things all at the same time, what we can actually do is bounce back and forth between those 10 things in succession very quickly. Women do this better than men. They're able to think about multiple things and hear multiple conversations and be in all of them at the same time. And as a man, I just can't do that. I am, I am singularly focused. I can only think about one, one thing at a time. And so in scripture, we, we, we read about commands, we read about priorities, we read about things that we need to, to focus on. And as humans, we prioritize different things. We prioritize our work. Usually that is a big block in our Sunday through Saturday week. It's, it eats up 40 hours, maybe 50, maybe 60 hours of your week. We prioritize errands. Sometimes we will work through lunch. Sometimes we will run errands through lunch because we need to get them done. We will prioritize family time and birthdays and birthday parties. And you need to make sure you get a family vacation in this year and spend time with your family. And then on that vacation, prioritize the time with your spouse or with your, your kids. Don't just sleep all day and house chores. And we also have to prioritize church. Are we going to go? Or are we not going to go and soccer for the kids and, and softball for the husbands and the dads and social media and friendships. And there are so many things that we have to prioritize and we have to prioritize our mental health. We have to prioritize our alone time and our hobbies and our experiences. And what are we picking up? What what are we new? What are we, what are we encountering for new? What's our new education? What's learning? What are we doing in our life? What are we building? Are we building wealth? Are we planning for the future? Are we forgetting the past? How are we spending our money? How are we spending our time? How are we spending our energy? You've only got so much. We have to prioritize how we do it all. As Christians, we have to prioritize as well. We have to prioritize prayer time, fasting, being at Sunday service, Wednesday service, Tuesday night ladies prayer every other Tuesday, every Saturday men's Saturday prayer, first Saturday of the month family prayer here, conferences, youth camps, youth conferences, Gatlinburg youth retreats, amen. Are we going to be at the church work day? Are we going to, are we going to give to ready now? Are we going to keep praying about ready now? Are we going to be focused on ready now? Are we going to be focused on what the Lord is doing? Are we going to be worried about volunteering? Are we going to be asking connect point? What needs to be done? Are we going to be asking pastor Charlie Tierney? Uh, where can I volunteer? Where can I serve? What can I do? We need to prioritize serving and greeting and ushering and working in children's ministry and youth ministry, praying for our pastor, missing this work event for a midweek service or missing that school event for a, a youth rally or missing these sports activities for the sake of being in the house of God. There are priorities that we have to take into account when it comes time to live for God. We have to prioritize where we spend our time. Are we going to spend time being in the house of God? Are we going to spend time with Sister Kim Heath down at 2020 downtown ministering to uh, needed youth? Are we going to spend time with Brother Parnell up in Lebanon with the prison ministry? Where are we going to spend our time? We've only got so much of it. And, and as a growing church, there's so many things we have to do. How can we prioritize? What's the first priority? What's the biggest thing? What's the most important need? Where can I spend my time? 
When you read the Old Testament, you'll come across 613 laws and commandments in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament alone, not so much uh, formally listed as commandments, but there are 1,050 commands, and I will save you some time. I'm not going to read all of them tonight. But there's a lot of commands in the scripture. In the New Testament alone, ask and you shall receive. He didn't say it's a good idea. He said you should ask and you shall receive. He said, be exceeding glad. These are all verbs. These are all commands. Be like-minded. Be in one accord. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Awake to life. Abstain from fleshly lust. Avoid troublemakers. Beware of false prophets. Continue in my love. Charge men to be blameless. Covet the best gifts. Believe on Jesus Christ. Ensure hardness and uh, endure hardness and sufferings. Fear God. Bless those that persecute you. There's so many things that we have to do that the Lord has asked asking us and commanding us to do. How do we prioritize it all? What's the greatest thing we do? He said, feed my sheep. He said, flee from fornication. He said, honor thy mother and thy father. Do good to them that hate you. Do not love in word only, but indeed also. He said to follow righteousness, to give cheerfully, Pastor Sizemore. Lay aside all evil speakings. Have faith. These are commandments that Jesus Christ gave us. Keep yourself in God's love. Hold fast to that sound doctrine. Go and do thou likewise and think on these things. There's so many things that we have to do. Sometimes we can lose focus on the main thing or keeping the main thing as the main thing. How do we keep all these commandments? 613 in the Old Testament, we don't really adhere to all those anymore. I don't, I don't worry about boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk, although that's listed. That one always stuck out to me as interesting. Why that one? I don't worry about the Old Testament commandments so much as I do what the Lord tells me to do in the New Testament. But how am I supposed to keep all of these? It's exhausting thinking about them and reading them and then considering as a husband, a father, a youth pastor, a son, a friend, a brother, how do I do all of this at the same time over my lifespan? How do we keep all of these commandments? How can we do and how can we be all that God has called us to be when there's so many different things to focus on? How do we check every box? There's so much potential at the Tree of Life Church. How can we check every box to be all that God has called us to be, how do we become known in the city for being the most giving church? How do we become known in the city for being the most supportive in our community, for being the most loving, for being the church where people are in fact healed? We're not just here for the healing of the nations and it'd be a cute tagline. How do we become known as the church where marriages are restored and that lives are put back together and minds are renewed? How do we become known as the church that serves the most? How do we become known as the church that prays the most? I know churches where you look at that church and you say, they're a praying church. That church has had someone in the prayer room every hour of every day since 1970, whatever. How do they become known as that? How do we become known as a church who's always giving back to the community? How do we become known as a church who always reaches the lost, who always is teaching Bible studies, who's always discipling the new members, who's always helping grow the saints, who's always bearing much fruit, who's always working in the gifts of the spirit, who's always reaching this generation and this region with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. In other words, what are our priorities supposed to be? What is at the top? You'll find in Matthew chapter 22, a lawyer, and I don't know if that has the same connotation as it does today, but he's a lawyer and he's asking Jesus a question. Matthew 22 Verse 34 says, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together 
And one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, now I've read up on this and I don't think that tempting is actually trying to tempt and get in trouble. More of a, a, a genuine questioning. He's really trying to figure out. There is a more, a, a more sincere approach to this question. He says, master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says unto him that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In Mark's recount of this story, at the end of that, the, the, the lawyer talks back and says, I know that, Lord, you think that all of these things are better than, than offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus tells that guy, he says, you are not far off from the kingdom. You get it, my friend. You understand the greatest commandment. He's asking a genuine question. What's the greatest commandment? I, I've read him. I know him. He's a lawyer. He studies the law. Out of the 613, out of the 10 great commandments, what is the greatest? What's the priority? What should be at the top of my list? When I wake up in the morning, what's the first thing I should try to do? And Jesus responds to him. He gives him the answer. And he knows it's the answer. And, and I love this. I love this interaction. There are some understandings that we want to, to, to gain from these scriptures tonight. If we'll look at verse 37, Jesus says unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. We'll stop right there. Jesus is explaining a very basic understanding of the human soul and heart that you will love something. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He's saying you're going to love something. You're going to love someone. You're going to love something. You're going to love something. And what I'm telling you to do is that you need to love the Lord. You will have a God of some kind. In, in Judges, he talks about they've made the sun and the moon their God and they worship those things. You will have a God of some kind. And what he's saying is you should make the Lord your God. And you should love the Lord your God. When he becomes your Lord, you will love him. It's just kind of, when you understand who he is, you will love Jesus with everything you've got. He, he first tells him, you've got love to give. The first thing you do is love the Lord your God. He becomes my God. The Lord, sh thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. The heart, soul, and mind being the will or the affections or the understanding, the vital, the sensitive, and the intellectual faculties. Every single part of me should love Jesus Christ. Love the Lord who is my God. I spend every waking moment of my life loving him. I spend every thought loving him. I, I direct my will. I direct the flow of my heart towards him. All of me, not parts. Not extra tabs, not extra windows, not apps happening in the background. Every part of me is dedicated towards loving Jesus Christ. He gives him this understanding, this commandment, that this is the first and the great commandment. And the second is likened to it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. With everything, we are to love Jesus Christ. They, at one point, were discussing, they think, what the, the lawyers thought was the greatest commandment, which is why this question is posed to Jesus. They wanted to know, was it, was it Micah 6 and 8? 
is that he has showed thee, man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee. And these, these are good things to do. Is this the greatest commandment, Jesus? Is it to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before thy God? They were asking him, is that the greatest commandment? There's a couple scriptures that were thought to be in the, in the, in the game for what the greatest commandment might be. Might it be Deuteronomy 10 and 12? And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. They are wondering, what is he going to say? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is likened to it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. With all that is within me, I am to love the Lord. This is why David says in Psalm 103, bless the Lord. O my soul and all that is within me, my strength, my thoughts, my words, my actions, and my reactions. I will bless his holy name. All that is within me. Our love for God is our priority. That's the priority. It must be singular. It must be superlative. What is the first commandment? What is the greatest commandment? He says, what is the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with every part of you. All the love I have to give is not enough for Jesus Christ. It's not worthy of what he has done for me. And so anything less than all I have is really, really not enough to love Jesus Christ with. It's got to be all of me. It's got to be everything I have. It must be my singular love. It must be my superlative love. Every ounce of love that I have needs to be directed at Jesus Christ. But what about your wife? And what about your two boys? And what about your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister-in-law and your brothers-in-law and their wives and their kids and your father-in-law who's a pastor and your own pastor and your family? And where where does all of that, do you not love them because you've spent every ounce of energy on Jesus Christ? It is only through my love to Jesus Christ that I can love them. These two commandments are in fact one commandment. When he says the second is likened to it, what he's not saying is on the list of commandments, this one is number two, it is subpar, it is not as good as. He is saying this is the same commandment. The second being literally one of two. There are two things that are the greatest commandment. I know this kind of breaks apart our Western thinking and theology of list and check, check marks and, and, and boxes. And, and we can't really comprehend this. And we like things in a neat order. We like things to flow in a storyline. But these two things is the same commandment. Because if I love my brother whom I, or I hate my brother who I have seen, how am I supposed to love my God who I have not seen? It's the same commandment. And when you love God with every part of you, you will love every person with that same every part of you. It's a supernatural love, but it can only be done through Jesus Christ. My love for him must be wholly devoted. Everything I've got. The second is like unto it. This messes with our mindset a little bit. It's not secondary in its importance. It's just one out of two. It's one of another. It's the other of the two. These two commandments are the greatest commandments. So which is it? What's the priority of the kingdom? It's a good title. And you've talked about three different scriptures here. 
So where are we headed? Is it seek first the kingdom of God? Is it love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the seconds like unto it? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not either or. It's both and. This one commandment is the same commandment. These two, these three commandments are the same commandment. It's not traditional thinking here in America for there to be multiple things sitting on the number one spot. But this made sense to them. The actual word priorities has only been in existence for about 80 years. Up until like the 1940s, if you go research on Google, Google actually has a tracker of how many times a word has been used in books. And up until the 1940s, the word priorities was not a word. There were no list of priorities. Time management experts began to kind of include that in their ways of thinking of prioritizing and priorities and making things fall into a list of priorities. But up until that point, the word priority is a singular word. You didn't have priorities. You had a priority. And so when you would check your, your, your online, your Instagram bio or whatever on Facebook where you describe who you are, it wouldn't say God, family, friends, church, Skyline, there's no list of your five favorite things. You got one spot. What's the priority? And in church and and in 2022, there's so many things that can take up our time and occupy us and aren't sins, but become sinful in their way that they become to us. And they can take our time and they can eat up our love and they can consume our devotion. And we get off of our priority. So what is the priority? It's loving God with every part of me. And then in in suit will follow loving my neighbor as myself. Another understanding from that scripture was that you love yourself. I know there's things that we all don't like about ourselves, but I'm talking about when you know you need to, to get better. I'm feeling a little sick. Let me take some vitamin C. Let me try to make myself better. That actual true self care that we give ourselves. You love yourself and you sometimes you'll put yourself before others. And Jesus is saying, I know that you love for yourself and you care for your own life. And what I'm asking you to do is to care about other people in that same way you care for yourself. So just the same way that you would hold a door open for yourself and not let it fall on you. You hold a door open for somebody else because you forbear everyone else in love. It's not out of pride. It's not out of arrogance. It's not out of it ill will it's out of love from my holy devoted 100% love and devotion to the savior Jesus Christ my king flows the ability to love my wife the way I should and my kids the way I should and the youth group the way I should and my parents the way I should only if I'm fully devoted to Jesus Christ I know this might be messing with with our mindset a little bit but this helped me out Understanding that it's not a list of priorities. It's a priority. There's one priority in my life. How can you accomplish everything else? How can you worry about taking care of your family and, and, and doing all the things that a, a, a father and a husband needs to do? And you, how, do you worry, how do you do everything if you, all you do is spend your time on loving Jesus? It's the only way that I can do those things. You can talk to people at work. You can talk to people wherever you want. When we don't love Jesus, that's the way we don't live the way we're supposed to live. 
When you run into somebody where like, I really like that person. I like how they treat people. Do you know what? They probably love Jesus with every part of their being. When people impress you and you go, I really like their spirit. It's probably because they love Jesus Christ and they love you the same way in return. Loving God with all of us, loving our neighbors as ourselves actually fulfills the law. That's why at the end of this interaction, he says on these two commandments, hang all of the law and the prophets, everything that they admonished you to do, everything that they commanded you to do hangs on these two laws, hangs on these two commandments. You want to keep all 613? You want to keep all 1,050 commandments in the New Testament? Love God and love people. You'll fulfill the rest. Paul understands this. In Romans chapter 13, he says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. We're worried about what we need to do to make this church grow. We're worried about what we need to do to fill the sanctuary that we're building to your left. We're worried about what we need, need to do to heal the nations. How can I reach my coworker at the, while at the same time being the parent I need to be, while being at the same time being the, the prayer warrior I need to be, while being at the same time devoted to my career? How can I do all of these things that I'm being asked to do? Love God, love people, seek the kingdom. Those are not different things. Those are all the same things. How do we love him? That, that, might, that might be your question. Okay, Tyler, I've, I've heard enough. I, I, how do we do it? You realize that he first loved you. And when you begin to think about how undone and how broken you were at your worst state, that that's when he died on the cross for you and he had you on his mind when he became sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, it just, there, I start to love him and I can't help it. And when they pierce him in the side and they, they water and blood flows and when they put a crown of thorns on his head and they reject him and they deny him and he doesn't respond with anything but love, I begin to love him more. And when I see myself put a crown of thorns on his head and I see myself deny him and I see myself reject him and I see myself stab him in the side and nothing flow out but water and blood and nothing come from his mouth other than love, I begin to just love him more. And I can't help to just keep on loving him. He first loved me. I remember one time I was getting ready to preach a message about the dimensions of his love, the wonders of his love. And before I, before I preached it, I just, I asked the Lord in a prayer meeting, I was at another church, but I was on the front row, like right, right in the, on the right side. And I just said, Lord, before I preach to your people about loving you and the dimensions of your love, I, I just want to feel, I want to feel your love. And I've been in church 31 years. I've been in, I've been in services. I felt his presence, but I just, in that day, just to help me have a better understanding before I preach this word, Lord, just let me feel and experience your love. And in that prayer meeting, I was by myself in the church. I just, I felt the Lord sit down next to me. 
And I just began to weep and I stopped praying and I just began to thank him for visiting me. Because in the middle of that Friday afternoon or whenever it was, while he was also ministering and visiting so many millions and billions of people all over the world, he took time to sit down next to me and let me feel his love. If you're in this place tonight and you have yet to experience the love of God, I would just, I would recommend one thing. Just ask him, Lord, can I feel your love tonight? Can I just know that you love me? Can I feel your closeness? Can I feel your nearness? Can I understand God, how much you love me? And I promise you, he will not delay. He will show up. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's as close as the mention of his name. You just call on him and he will be there because he loves you. He loves you. Once you know he loves you, you can't help but love him in return. And then the greatest commandment becomes the easiest commandment. I just love him with every part of me. And in the morning when I rise, I love him. And I tell my kids, we love him. And at night when we pray, we say, we love you, Jesus. I asked Elias the other day who his best friend was. And I, I loved it. And it made me cry all the same time. He said, my best friend is mom and daddy and Zion and Jesus. And I was like, my God, that is all you need right there. <laughs> we understand that we love him when we understand how much he loves us from that love, from that fully loaded, that, that, that fully devoted love that only given to God love, we then are able to love our neighbor just as easily because then because of loving him, I'm able to see how much he loves them. And I treat them the way that he treats me. And I love them better than I love myself because I forbear them in love and I prefer them and in love and I bear one another's burdens. So fulfilling the law of Christ and I care for other people and I, I, I want what's best for them and I love them like he loves them. It's the greatest commandment. You can't help but love others when you love him with every part of you. The scripture says that he was moved with compassion. What moved him? Compassion. When he saw there was a need, he was moved. It, it picked him up. I'm in the desert giving a, a sermon to these thousands of people. And what happened? None of them brought food. My compassion for my children fails not. Let's get some loaves and fishes, provide a miracle. When they're hungry, they'll listen. Or when they're not hungry, they'll listen better. And so he does the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And it's, an, it's a miraculous thing. Why? Because he was moved with compassion. Year after year, people preach about leadership and why Jesus washed the feet of his disciples at the Last Supper. It's servant leadership. It is. He is exemplifying that. But it, the reason he washed their feet was because their feet were dirty. There was a need. He saw the need. He recognized the need. He was moved with compassion, and he washed their feet. No one else did, so he did. He was moved with compassion. He sought first the kingdom. He sought first their well-being before his own. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. What does that mean? Seeking his kingdom. Pastor Charlie, what does that mean? We hear you say it all the time. What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God first? It means to seek him, to seek his face, to seek his heart. You'll find it. The building of the kingdom is not a building that we're building. The kingdom is not here or there. It's the hearts of the people. 
And if that building, for some reason, something should happen and we can't occupy it, or for whatever reason, the churches are not able to be accessed anymore, the kingdom does not stop because the kingdom is in the hearts of the people. That's the kingdom of God. Do you want to seek first the kingdom of God in the city of Cincinnati? It's with the people that live in the city of Cincinnati. The reason we are building another building is because there's no more room in here. The reason we're building another building is so that more people from the kingdom can be in that building and can be added to the kingdom. Look around you. This is the kingdom of God in Cincinnati tonight. And all over the city of Cincinnati, there's the Lord is working in the hearts of, of many other people that you don't know yet who will be at your church one day. That's the kingdom of God. We are told to seek it first. The kingdom of God is not Cooper Road. The kingdom of God is not View Place. The kingdom of God is not a brand new building. The kingdom of God is his people, the ones that he died for. We are a church that loves God. We are a church that loves people. We are a church that seeks first the kingdom. We are a church that will heal the nations. We are a church that will do everything God has called us to do. And it is only accomplished because of our love for him. We can't have a list of priorities of things that the church must get done. Da, 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 da. We, that, the priority of the tree of life church and the body of Christ church is to love Jesus with everything we've got. To love his people and to seek his kingdom. It's the one priority. It's our singular. It's our sole purpose. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Would you stand with me all over this place tonight? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. I know that I'm preaching to the choir. I know that it's a, it's a Wednesday night. It's a midweek. You know these scriptures. You've heard them before. We've sang them. We've taught them. We've lived them. I'm just reminding you. Because if we lose our why, we've lost everything. If we understand what we need to do, but we forget why we need to do it. We've lost everything. If we, if we know that we're here to heal the nations and we get so caught up in trying to do that, that we forget that we're supposed to just love Jesus, we won't heal the nations. You know what would heal the nations? If people came into a church and the church was full of people that loved God with every part of their being, that would heal the nations because they would see what a, a human being, a Christ follower, a child of God is supposed to look like. I know we've, we've seen that term church hurt. A lot of times people aren't hurt by the church, the building did nothing to them. It was a person. You want to heal somebody? Live like Jesus. Love him with every part of you and love them like he loves them. Love them like you love yourself. It will heal the nations. But if we forget our why, we forget everything. We don't have anything to stand upon. All of the law, all of the prophets hangs on one thing, that we love him and we love his people. On those things, you can hang anything. All Old Testament commands, all New Testament commands, everything hangs on those two things, the greatest commandment. But if we lose that, we've lost everything. I don't just want to be a church who is really good at one thing and it's, it's, a, it's, it's whatever or a church that's really good at this thing. And you, you know those churches I'm talking about where they, they like really give back to the community or this church that really does this or that's, oh, they're a church that really does this or a church. Or, I want to be a church that loves Jesus with every member 100%. 
Because if we are that church, we will accomplish what it is that he has us to accomplish. Amen. I would ask you tonight to just raise your hands, to close your eyes. Maybe you're at 99% of love for the Lord and 1% somewhere else. He has called us to give all of ourselves to him. It is only through that love that we can do what he's called us to do. We will not see revival like he has called us to see without sold out devotion and love to him. We will not see new members like he has designed us to see without loving him completely. We will not see that building full without us first loving him completely. We will not be the people of God that we've been called to be without loving him completely. If we turn away from seeking the kingdom, if we turn away from loving our neighbor, and if we turn away from loving our savior, we are no longer a church. We're a gathering of people. Lord, don't let us lose our why. Reinvigorate us tonight, oh God, with the desire to push the kingdom forward, with the desire to prefer our brothers and our sisters, with the desire, Jesus, to love you first and only today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would reset our minds today, Jesus. Let there be a renewing of our mind today, oh God, where the idea of priorities and you being one of five or one of 10 is thrown out the window and you are the only priority, God. You are the only thing we care about, Jesus. You are the sole focus of my life. You are the sole focus of my mind. You are the sole focus of my affections. You are the sole focus of my body, of my actions, of everything I do. Come on, Tree of Life Church, would you just cry out to the Lord tonight in love for our Savior, in love for our neighbors, for our lost loved ones. Thank you, Jesus. Would you respond to his love tonight?